Welcome back to another podcast episode of Beautiful Adaptive Warrior. I'm your host, Angie Huser. It's time once again to unleash the warrior within you. Are you ready? Let's get started. I tell you what, it has been an amazing month with all the guests that came on and shed some light on the amputee community and what things that we go through medically. And um, starting off with my friend Mike Coots as a shark attack victim who has conquered fears and overcome obstacles like nobody's business, become a shark advocate and still out there surfing, would consider himself first and foremost a surfer, and also a photographer of sharks and um, his beautiful Kauai. We also had doctors on. We had my surgeon who did my amputation. A big thank you to Dr. Judd Cummings. We had my prosthetists on, David and Randy, my PT, Dan and uh, Kelly, And then we also went into this final one last week. And if you didn't hear it, you really should take a listen to Dr. Ronnie Pruch out here in Phoenix, who actually went in and got rid of my neuroma and did a surgery called TMR, Targeted Muscle Reinversion. Sorry, I probably got that last one wrong. But it basically takes those loose I would call them loose wires, basically, of nerves that kind of are cut and left kind of inside your leg or your limb. Um, They're kind of firing and doing their own thing. And he actually took those and transplanted them into my muscle. Um, I have to tell you that my neuroma area in the back of my residual limb has never been better. And I am grateful for his expertise and his bedside manners, and his comforting words that made me believe in him from the get-go. Now, I gave a lot of thought to this. This week, we've, we've kind of come down from Limb Loss Awareness Month. Uh, we're into May. And, you know, I just thought, geez, you know what? What do I really want to discuss? And, and I went out for a hike today just to kind of clear my head. And I realized that there's a lot of you now listening that don't know a lot about my story. If you go back to one of my first episodes, I kind of talk about it. But I thought maybe what we could do is call this one starting point. Because for some of you, you're going to be new amputees. For some of you, you're going to be supporting someone or you are supporting someone that's a new amputee. And it is a whole nother world. Am I right? Um, you are going to learn things by doing, and some things you just can't be told. You've got to just kind of navigate on your own. But where we can help each other, we really need to. So I thought I would start back really quick and let you know where I come from and kind of give you an idea of why I am the way I am um, and and why some of you feel like I'm being successful as an amputee. Uh, I consider myself successful in amputee. But it is not easy. It is not pretty. And there are days, weeks that are tough. And we put on a good face because I that's what I choose to do. So let's go back a little bit 
And just a real quick recap, my starting point on becoming an amputee happened over just over two years ago. December of 2018 is when I had my surgery. Um, it was based on about seven years of knee surgeries after knee surgeries after knee surgeries. And I got what was called arthrofibrosis, basically hyperscarring. The difference is, is if something were to happen to my other knee, my hip, my shoulder, my any of my joints, I quite possibly have a a symptom that this same thing would happen in any um, joint surgery. And so for me, as much as I want to get out and live my life, I also need to take some precaution and not just destroy my other knee or destroy my shoulders. Um, I need to take care of my hips. And you know, that's hard because as we get older, you know, you see so many people as they get older, we wear down the cartilage in our hips and we have to have surgery. And I really, really, really don't want to be a hip disarticulate because of a hip surgery, um, because of the wear and tear. So I need to be really careful. So arthrofibrosis, it's a type of hyperscarring and it's kind of prevalent throughout the body. Um, it only happens in joints, thank goodness, because I was really worried about my amputation and me not being able to put a limb on, but that's kind of where I was at. And after seeing many different surgeons and having many different surgeries, and each surgery was a different surgeon because every surgeon told me he couldn't do anything else, and so I'd move on because I wasn't ever happy or satisfied with the outcome. Uh, basically, I wasn't living my life, and that was a key. Um, I knew I wasn't happy internally. I was putting on a good front, a good face for my family. Uh, I homeschooled my boys um, since they were in first and third grade. And I needed to be there for them. And so that gave me at least a distraction from pain and upset and worry and weight gain and all that stuff and all the stressors that came with this um, journey I was on. But I also had my faith. And my faith led me to a point where I knew that amputation was the right path. Um, after I had gotten a blood clot when we were in Europe, didn't know it and flew home with it. And the realization that knocked me over was I could have died on an airplane with my two children and my husband watching. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me in July of 2018. And that's when I started doing research. And I started by this point, you know, I, geez, I was a professional at going into doctor's appointments. So at this point, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I was looking for. I knew the personality that... I was advocating for myself in the fact that I wanted a surgeon that understood me, understood my goals, understood my dreams, understood my passion, understood my weaknesses and my strengths, and worked with me. I didn't want a surgeon that just knew how to cut and sew up correctly. I wanted a surgeon that was going to invest in me, in my future, because to me, I had nothing but up to go, and that's where I wanted to be. I knew that after amputation, there was nothing else. So I had to have it done well and done by someone that cared. And that's when Dr. Judd Cummings entered the picture. Now, I also set goals. Um, at the end of every episode, if you listen all the way to the end, you'll hear that I have a call to action. And my call to action is always grounded in the fact that I want you to be empowering. Empower yourself, advocate for yourself, 
I want to empower you because we know what's best for our body. If you really, really listen to your gut, you know exactly what you want, what you need. But sometimes we're afraid to speak up against professionals. The problem is, is we are the professional with our own body and we need to stand our ground when we know what's right and wrong. So at the end of every episode, I have a call to action where I have you kind of do something for a week until we meet again. Well, like I said, my call to actions usually have to do with setting goals or asking the right questions, interviewing prostatists or whatever. And I bring this up because if I hadn't had peer-to-peers before my amputation, and for some of you, I know that's not realistic. Some of you, it was an accident and you lost your limb after a motorcycle accident, car crash, or something like that. And maybe you woke up with an amputation. Um, You didn't plan for it. You had no way to know. I know mine's different. I know I got a plan. Uh, Rightly or wrongly, it's still an amputation, right? If you didn't get a chance to plan like I did, I would always suggest that you have a peer-to-peer. And that means finding other amputees successful amputees, not grumbly ones, not ones that wishes they could have it all back. You don't want anybody that's looking behind them and saying, I wished I lived like I was. You want someone that's saying, so this is the cards that were dealt and here's how I'm handling it. That's who you want to surround yourself with. Well, I bring that up because the peer-to-peers that I had, and I mentioned this in one of my first episodes, they were positive, upbeat go-getters. I only had a couple, but that's all I needed to light a fire under me to tell me I could succeed at this, that amputation wasn't death. Amputation wasn't the end of my life. Actually, it was just the beginning of my new life and a new leaf to be turned over. What I noticed when I had my peer-to-peers was that they all had goals set. They knew that that was what they were going to have to deal with. And they decided to set goals. And now I say goals. I don't mean, well, yeah, I want to walk someday. That's not really a goal. That's a dream, yeah. But a goal you want to challenge yourself. So it should be tough, but fair on you. But it should also have a timeline. If you don't set a timeline for when you want to achieve something, you tend to put it off because you we know life gets the better of us and this comes up and then this comes up and this comes up. And, and if you don't set a goal with a timeline and make it a priority, we know that things that aren't prioritized high in our list become secondary and then they move down the line until they're 10th of importance. You don't want that. Okay. You getting back on your feet, no pun intended, is the utmost importance. And I will tell you right now, you can do it. I have a good friend and I'm so grateful for her. Um, We just went out this afternoon and celebrated her birthday. And she knew me well enough. And that's what you want, a friend that really gets you. I didn't need someone going, are you okay? What can I do for you? Don't worry, I'll do this, I'll do this. I don't want someone enabling me. I want to be strong. I want to be independent. Um... And she 
went out to dinner with me and her husband, went out to dinner with my husband and I the week before my surgery in December and said, I'm going to challenge you next January, not next month, but the next January, a year after your amputation, I will do a 5k, a 10k or a half marathon at the Rock and Roll Phoenix here in January of 2020. I think it was 2020. Yeah, 2020. And she said, you pick the size of the race and we'll walk it, we'll run it, whatever. But I want you to set that goal for yourself. That way you have something to look forward to. And we did it. It was not easy. First off, I had my surgery in December. You don't get a leg right away. You deal with insurance. You deal with healing. You deal with fits. Um, I think I got my first prosthetic at the end of March. So less than a year away from the race. And I haven't even walked in it yet, right? In April, I wanted to go with my family because they had plans from before my surgery to have a ski trip. And I said, I will ski that trip. Whatever it takes. Well, when you get your prosthetic a week or two before a trip, you're not going to use it because you can barely walk in it. You're surely not going to ski with it. So I decided that I could try to ski with one leg and outriggers. It was scary. It was a lot of work. I was physically drained after uh, first day was a full day of lesson. Second day was just a half day because I just my leg, my right leg, my good leg was just fried. <laughs> um, talk about a burn. Woo. Um, but I did it. And so really, that was my first goal that I set for before myself, but it really wasn't on my radar like in October, November when I was waiting for my surgery. It wasn't until after my surgery, we saw how it went. I made it through. April will be coming. Yep, let's ski. I'm going to try it. And I was scared. I have to tell you, I've been skiing since I was 16. And I was still scared because I didn't know how my balance would be. I didn't know. I mean, snow is icy, right? Uh, slippery. And it's frightening to be on one leg on cement. Then you put one leg with a big heavy boot and a ski and you're sliding all the way around. And it's just, it's a totally different experience. But I did it, got through that. That was phase one of, of trial and error on balance and learning my new center of gravity and balance because of missing 10 pounds of leg. And then um, the next thing came up was, okay, going to PT, going to strengthen the residual limb, going to strengthen my balance, strengthen my core. Let's get moving. If I want to run in January, because I figured a race, you run, not walk. I need a running blade because the leg I was given, an Autobox C leg, is not meant for running. It actually is self-correcting. So if I start to lose balance, it, it slows down the bend of the knee. It's electronic. It's plugged in every night. And it makes it so that it's very hard for me to just trip and fall. It doesn't just give away like uh, some of the older knees used to be like that if you lost your balance, it was just going to buckle. My leg doesn't buckle, which if you try to run, it thinks you're falling and it slows down the and you just you fall because you can't run in it. So then I had to do some research on getting a running blade. And for those of you that have looked, they are very expensive. And once again, my faith led me through and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do my race. I signed up. Gosh, I think I signed up in June. When it first opened up, I signed up and I said, we're going to do 10K 
because why not go big? Um, and I'm going to be, I'm going to do this for St. Jude. I'm going to, I'm going to help kids with cancer. I want to take the focus off of me, put it on something bigger than me, bigger than myself and my problems. And that way I can redirect my own pains or my own pitfalls that were going to happen because I knew there would be some. I mean, it's realistic. Well, when a company got wind that I was doing this for St. Jude as a brand new amputee, they gifted me with a running blade, a brand new running blade. And I couldn't believe my luck that within a week of telling this company about my race and why I was doing it, that it, that was the best gift in the world because I had to fight for my walking leg and I thought I will never have anything else but this leg. There is no way I'm getting anything else. If you aren't an amputee, it's not easy to get um, any legs, any parts because it has to be a need, not a want, and a running blade is not a need. Um, my electronic leg, because I wanted to really work hard on my leg and, and get up and get moving, I had to fight for that because I needed the, the best one I could find at the time to take the brunt of everything I planned to do. And insurance companies have to take their, your word for it that that's what you're going to actually get out and do, and it's worth their money. And I had to fight for four weeks for that every day. So I was truly blessed uh, by Wiggle Your Toes in Minnesota. Thank you so much for giving me a running blade. Now you learn that a running blade has a lock and unlock knee. When it's unlocked, it's an open hinge. <laughs> and when I say open hinge, like think of your door swinging forward and backward in your house. There is nothing that, that slows it down if you don't get your toe through on your gate and trust that it'll be there, your knee will just bend and you will fall forward. Thus enters my skateboard gloves. I literally bought gloves to wear when I go out and walk and run in my running blade because, yep, you guessed it, every time I go out, there is a fall. Normally, it's pretty good until I get tired or if I get preoccupied in my thinking and I forget to really push through with my leg, there's usually a fall. I can go two miles in the last block. I can see my home and bam, I can fall face forward. Wrists go out, everything you shouldn't do, but that's what I do. I've tried to roll out of it and I have banged my ankle and my shin on my running blade and that's painful. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I... Uh, I've been very blessed with, with those things that have come my way. It was not an easy train because I had to learn to walk first before I could run. I had not run in over eight years. So it was extremely foreign to me and my body. My hips didn't know what to do because my hips have been wonky since day one. And... um I just had to kind of fight my way through it. And when I say that, I think my body was toned enough at that point to do stuff, but my mind was afraid. You know, when fear takes hold, it holds us back. And I'm going to tell you right now that there is a lot of fear when you have an amputation. The fear of being amputated was the first fear, right? like going into surgery and knowing when you wake up, you have no idea how your body will react 
to seeing a missing limb that you've always known has been there and it's very unnatural. And I think that scared me the most. But I talked to people about it. I talked to other amputees about it and they all said the same thing, that that was their biggest fear, was waking up. And a lot of them cry after they wake up from surgery. One, you have all those uh, you know, drugs in you and everything and you're not feeling yourself. Then to look down and it's really weird to see a missing body part for the first time ever. And it's, and it's just, it's overcoming with emotion. I have to say, because I talked to people about it, when I woke up, I am so grateful. I was in the best place of all my surgeries. I was in the best place ever after that one. So the first biggest fear I got right over, but it took time and it took me talking to people prior and being honest with my own emotions. So if you're an amputee or you think you're going to become an amputee or you are someone who's going to have to support an amputee, be ready for that. Let them talk about it. And if you are going to go through the amputation, talk about it. Because when you talk about it, it makes it real, yes, but it will help you um, get a grip on that emotion that's going to come. And it'll help you just get over that. Because you know what? Once you get over it, the sky's the limit. Yeah, you are different. Um, Embrace that difference. We're all different, right? And there are so many amputees in the world. Just watch. When you become an amputee, all of a sudden you see them everywhere. It's kind of like when you get a new car and you think you're the only one with that car or that color. Boom, they're everywhere. Same, same thing. My friends have told me that. I never saw any amputees until you started talking about it. Now they're everywhere. I'm like, right? So what I would tell you then is after I finally learned to do some kind of light jogging and I got over myself and being out in my neighborhood and trying to run and I knew people were watching and, you know, I like to be a perfectionist, but I have told you that I have also tried on my social media and here on this podcast to be transparent And if I couldn't go out and look good doing it, I didn't want to go out. So there were times that I went out at night. Uh, Learning to run at night on pavement is frightening because you can't see the rocks or pebbles or whatever that are in your way or the cracks in the sidewalk. That was probably more dangerous than going daytime and having people watch. So I finally got over that hump and started going out during the day and yep, I dealt with the stairs, kids at bus stops, because for some reason I thought it would be good to do it in the morning. And they always seemed to be at the bus stop. Um, But got through that. When it came time to do my run that my friend and I had put forward, I was um, grateful for the support. My husband did that with me. Her husband did it with us. I had my PTs there, an intern from the PT. I had the... Um, medical assistant that was a part of my amputation who sewed me up. She was there doing the run. I had a team of about 10 people that never left my side, no matter what I went through. And uh, it was tough because I was still changing. My limb limb was still changing. So I had to stop three or four times to change out um, my liners, my socks, because I was shrinking during the race, like all the time. It was crazy. Um, if you 
no matter where you're at in this journey, supporter or amputee or someone who's going to be doing this amputation, you need to remember something. You need to give yourself a couple years. I never would have believed it because I went out and just started going and I thought for sure I was pushing the process along. So maybe, maybe a year and I'll be normalized or whatever. Nope. I am still, after two years, still changing. I just went in yesterday. I'm going to be posting a video really soon on IGTV of my prosthetist. Instead of going in and getting a brand new socket and having to go through insurance, he just decided to take my inner liner, my soft one, and shrink it down. We, we heated it up. We made a cast of it. We shaved down the casting and we reheated the plastic, put it back over and vacuum sealed it down So because I'm, I'm different. You know, my limb has changed at the end. And what was happening was I was banging around in there. They call it like bell clapping because it's like, think of the, the little bell inside of a, inside the bell that goes back and forth and hits. That's what was happening. Well, when that happens, every time you step, you're bruising or ticking off a nerve. And that's what I have right now is a nerve that's really pissed off at me. And I was swollen. So my size down there was changing because it was just swelling every day. Because I'm still hiking. I'm still walking. I'm doing everything I want to do. And I just grin and bear it. Now with full transparency, um, I had the TMR surgery. The neuroma that we saw was removed. The, um, the nerves were um, put into the muscle. And the back where the neuroma was is awesome. I'm almost totally healed up. I mean, it takes like a year to heal an incision, but it feels good. Um, I can follow through with my steps. I'm doing really good with that. But the one section that he did surgery on, and he told me in ahead of time, if you listen to last week's podcast, he, he warned me, he goes, we'll go in there, but I don't know what it's going to be like. And I don't know if I can fix it because you kind of aren't, you're not pinpointing an exact area like the neuroma. And sure enough, I thought I was doing really well, got back to my normal, my pace, my hiking, all that stuff, and it's back. And, you know, there's a part of me that's totally frightened by that, to be honest. Um, I don't like hurting. This is a different hurt. It's not like a bruised hurt. It is, I get zingers. Or like I told my husband the other day, something fell, I grabbed it, went to catch it, and tried to lift it up and it was really heavy and I went down in my socket and it felt like someone took a big knife and went from my shin around my calf and sliced me. It was that sharp. I mean, it, it, thank God he was out there with me because I dropped what I was, I had caught to grab my non-existent calf. Uh, I actually was holding on to my, my prosthetic where it was hurting and he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, that, and it didn't go away. Like it just kept radiating from that. And um, do I worry that that won't go away ever? Yeah. Like every time I go out, I worry that this is the, what the rest of my life will feel like. I don't know what else to do. Um, last week, I did a nerve block on my L3 and 4 in hopes to block that. And I thought for a couple of days, everything felt good and it didn't, it didn't hold. So the nerve block didn't work. And that was a less invasive 
surgery. So do I know what will come of, of this? No, but I'm going to live day by day and figure it out. I will talk with people. I will talk with my surgeons. I will ask opinions. My prosthetist is always working for me, always doing what he knows he needs to do. Um, he, yesterday he spent two hours with me. I was videotaping him. He was talking me through all the process in his back room. I watched him do everything to my um, socket. And I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to learn from them, but also to ask questions to people that aren't treating me like an appointment that's, okay, you're at one o'clock, okay, one thirty, I'm done, I gotta go. He blocked aside two hours for me, knowing the process would take that long, and that whole time I'm picking his brain. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna handle this? Um, what do we do going forward if this doesn't help? You know, that's the only way I can tell you that you get through some of these points in time. And so, you know, I, I call this episode starting point because even now, two years in, I feel like I'm at a new starting point. Okay, I, I went out hiking this morning. There were several steps that I took where I got the zinger and it felt like my shin was on fire and, or stabbing pain or like someone took a knife to it. But I braced myself and I continued on. And that's just kind of where it has to be right now. I hate it, but I refuse to let this dictate how my life will be or how I will feel or how I'll treat people or how my happiness, my happiness will not be dependent on this. You are going to have the same problems. You're going to have similar problems or different ones, but it will all boil down to your attitude. I can't stress that enough. And and if you are someone who is supporting someone in your home that has an amputation or a good friend that you are taking care of that has an amputation, you're going to see the ups and downs of this emotion if they allow it. And if they don't allow you to see it, they are hiding some stuff from you, but it's a choice. Sometimes they'll want to talk about it. I would suggest talking about it. I don't bring it up to my husband often, but every once in a while he has to know. I might just say, I'm not feeling great today. I'm going to need a little grace because this is really hurting and I wish I could tell you what it feels like, but there is nothing I can compare this to. And I know as a supporter, you won't know either. And you're just going to have to understand that sometimes space is needed. Sometimes an extra hug is needed. Sometimes listening is needed. You just kind of have to read the person. And if you're an amputee, be transparent with the people around you. They're not going to know that the reason you're ripping their head off today is because you're feeling something that just is so horrible that no one should have to bear it. But it's not fair to them when they're trying. There is nothing you can compare an amputation to. There just isn't. And unless you know someone who's gone through it and you can talk to them, but most of us aren't supported by someone who's an amputee as well. It's normally a family member, a husband, a wife, a parent. It might be kids, older kids, adult kids. Um, you know, you don't know. And the only thing you can do is shed some light by being honest with them. And supporters ask questions. You know, everyone has a starting point with their amputation. And I will tell you that I feel like I've started over so many different times. 
I've had at least nine sockets made, maybe 10 in two years because of the changes in my body. The limb has changed. I have probably lost over 50 pounds because it is a lot of work just walking, let alone getting through a grocery store, making breakfast, lunches, and dinners for people, getting up and down the stairs with, I have, I have stairs. So I've had to do stairs since the beginning of all these surgeries. So I've done eight years of stairs, one at a time. Um, that's exhausting. But, you know, we burn a lot more calories than the average person. Um, and if you are an above knee like I am, you are missing two joints, you work four times as hard. They say for every joint missing, you work twice as hard. So I'm working four times as hard as a normal two-legged person. And I'm working twice as hard as a below knee. Just because we have to, to focus on two joints moving forward every time we step. So all I can say is, if you're going through it, give yourself some grace. But remember to keep your attitude in check. Remember that you can decide how you attack your life. Um, you know, I, like I said, I was out hiking today. I knew it was going to be brutal. He just refixed and shrunk down my inner liner on my skin fit socket yesterday. And I came home in the evening, made dinner, and that was pretty much the rest of my day. Woke up this morning and told my husband, let's go for a hike. And we went out for a two plus mile hike. And I, I, that's how I work. I, um, I kind of head on, face my fears, face my challenges and, and grin and bear it and get through it. And then, um, you know, I, I set goals for myself. I, I want to go a little bit further than I did yesterday or a little bit faster, or I try to find a better gait or handle that downward slope better and more controlled. You, you know, there's different things that I dangle in front of myself so that I'm thinking not of pain or of every step. I don't think of every step. I think of where I'm going. I think of what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, and then I think about the rewards. You know, this is going to strengthen my limbs. This is going to help my core out. Um, I use sticks. So when I hike, I have two hiking poles. And it's like being on an elliptical. Like I'm constantly stick after stick after stick going up and down. And, and, and my shoulders have gotten really strong. So, you know, I see the benefits. Physically, I am stronger than I have ever been. And I'm going to be 50 this year. And I feel like I've been, I'm stronger than I've ever been. And so I look at it as, well, yeah, I'm feeling some pain, but I'm healthy and I will get there when I need to get there. And I know with my faith that um, I, will, I will find answers in due time and they will come when it's time for me to have the answers. Right now, I find this character building. That's what I call it. It's character building. So if you're struggling right now, just think of it as time for you to build some character or mental toughness, kind of like a muscle. You can only really build that up when you have to use it. Well, my mental game is strong. It has been used and abused for years, and I've had to overcome a lot of mental obstacles, and I plan to come out on top, and I feel like I'm, I'm coming out on top. Now, I also say that when goal setting happens, I will give you some, some tips here. 
when I was starting out and learning to just walk in an above knee um, prosthetic with two joints, my ankle was a fixed 90 degree angle and I had to worry just about the movement of my uh, knee joint. I know that some people say I won't wear it, it hurts, I can't even get down the block or get my mail and, and then I want to take it off. Don't give up. I was exactly the same way. And if you see me today walking, you would never know it. We don't start at the top. And that's what just kills me. If you look on social media or you listen to people on social media that are amputees, they're going to show you where they're at now. But what I want you to see is it's okay to be at the bottom. Hey, it gives you a place to go, right? You can't, we, we can't all be at the top of a mountain. And, and even once we hit the top of a mountain, guess what? There's downward. And this is sometimes where the downward is. When I had my surgery this last December to get rid of that, that was my, my valley. And I had to battle back and start over with brand new incisions to heal. That sucked. I'm sorry, but it sucked. I didn't want to start over. I'm like, I'm finally healed. I want to get going. I don't want to. But if four weeks of going through the healing process again would bring me years and years of pain-free living, then I was willing to do it. And I just knew that I had to be mentally strong, emotionally strong to handle that quick setback. And in the middle of it all, it didn't feel quick at all. Like four weeks to me is an eternity, but we all know how fast a month goes, right? So when, when you get an opportunity to kind of set some goals, it'll help you um, see the big picture. And when I say this, like I said, when I first started out walking, I could barely get down to the end of the block. And I was, my body wanted to go, my mind was ready to go, but the limb was so sore and every step. It felt like I was having to lug, you know, a 50 pound cement block with me. And it took time to build up the strength. How I did that was every day, every day I made it a point, every night I went out and I just worked on going, even if it was a few steps further and then turned around and went home. And then the next day, you know what? I'm going to try to make it to that street light. It's about 20 steps further. You can do it. And I just kept building that resistance up, right? I mean, it's like training for a marathon. You just have to keep doing it. You can't just get off a couch and run a marathon. You're just not going to make it. It's going to hurt. You're going to be sore. You're going to have, you know, wear and tear in your, your shoes. Your feet are going to have blisters. Your lungs are going to feel like they're in ripping pain. You're just not going to be able to do it. But if you work on it every day for weeks you're going to eventually get to a point where your body is accepting of the movements and stuff. And with our um, sockets, you know, we have to deal with how they wear on our skin and our skin becomes extremely um, sensitive. Um, I get sores and wounds at different places. I've been fortunate enough not to have what some people have had. I've seen some, but I think it's about the fit and how my prosthetic has gotten me fitted really well and how I've taken care of it. Um, I use um, a salve when it comes up after I take my leg off, but I also don't succumb to it. If I'm walking, I carry a salve with me. If it starts to rub in my groin, 
I put the salve there so that the friction stops and it glides. Yes, I will still have a red mark that evening. Yes, it'll probably burn when I take a shower and that hot water hits. And yes, it'll still be there in the morning. And yeah, it probably will be reignited that day. Put the salve on again. And I have found that over time, it, it they start to go away. Again, though, every fit, every time you go in for a new one, you go through the same thing. It's a growing pain. It's a starting point. Every time you get a new socket, it's like getting a new pair of shoes. You got to break them in. And breaking them in, it's not fun because you go from walking really well to the socket's not fitting great. So you're starting to realize you're not really walking the way you want to walk. You go in, you get a new socket made, and then you start all over again at the starting point of breaking in a new socket. And then it works well until it doesn't anymore. And it's just a process. I have been told by people that have been APTs for 15, 20 years that eventually things start to normalize. And I know like David Banks, who is one of my prosthetists, he's been an amputee for over 20 years and he hasn't had to change his socket size in the last 15. So I'm looking forward to that with great anticipation that I actually will have a socket on that I love and that stays on and it's I'm not changing anymore. But until then, this is my journey. Now, some of you have also asked, how do you keep going um, I like a carrot dangling in front of me, and I learned that this past two years, that virtual races before the pandemic hit were, I didn't know they were really a big thing, but I started finding them, and the community of runners, um, I do really well when I change um, who I'm hanging out with. So I tend to set my goals high. And I don't do things with other amputees. I do things with normal two-legged people. Because one, if I don't do well, (laughs) sadly enough, I have an excuse, right? I'm like, well, you know, I'm trying. But second, it gives me more so a goal to set to see, well, if they can do this, I know I can do this. There's not that much different about me. I've just got to figure out how to get through you know, carrying this leg around and and working with a leg. And that just made me a better walker. So my very first virtual race, and it was an amazing one. And actually I have lifelong friends now on Facebook because of this group. Um, They fed my ego. They were there for me on the struggles when there was like, it was a long race. It was, the first one was a summer, 175 miles And I thought, well, what better way to force myself to wear my leg every day, even if it meant putting in a mile or two a day. And at first I thought, oh, I can do two miles. Can I just tell you the first couple days I did this, the first couple weeks, I was like, I can't do a mile. Oh my gosh. And so then I would calculate, it would be like a three month race and I would calculate, okay, I'm already, you know, a month into it. I have this many miles. This is how many miles I have to do every day, seven days a week. And it was undaunting, but they kept me going. I would tell them, guess what? I'm not in my socket right now because I am in so much pain and it's getting refitted. So I'm, I'm stuck right now. And they're like, don't worry about it. You got this. You got this. Those are the kind of people you want in your corner, right? And it was such a joy. Um, I realized that with the virtual races, especially ones, long ones like that, that People were coming in a month later going, I just finally finished, better late than never. And the whole idea of the turtle and the hare kind of 
racing, you know what, slow and steady. And, and that has been something that I've decided that's my motto, slow and steady. I'd rather continue for long distances at a slower pace than have to push myself hard and not get very far. So I've gone slow and steady. And then the next race, after that one was done, they're like, you're going to do the next one. You're going to do the next one. Well, it, it ended up being that it was a summer, a fall, a winter, and a spring. So I did the fall, and that was 150 miles. And then I did the winter, and that was 150 miles. And by spring, I was trying to get myself into my running socket, and I was trying to do more running. And I was like, you know, I don't think I want to invest trying to get my walks in. And um, that's actually, I started doing, I think, the winter, the fall one with my running blade. But anyways, I started finding with the pandemic that virtual races were now becoming a big thing and it could be any size race. It could be 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, ultra marathon. But the best part was, is they all came with bling and a t-shirt and a running bib. And I thought, you know what? I like this. I got a couple really awesome medals for finishing 175, 150, and 150 miles for the past year. I'm going to start doing these and I'm going to find ones that mean something to me. So I would do them for causes, certain causes, and the money would go towards that cause. And um, in two years, I have accumulated like 13 uh, medals that I hang proudly in my closet that I can remember. This all started right when I put on my socket and I was learning to walk. So if you want to learn to walk, Dangle one of those carrots in front of you. Get on a 5K. 5K is 3.1 miles, 3.2 miles, no, 3.1 miles. And um, you can do it at your pace whenever you want to do it. And when the bling comes, this is my key. If I order it and it comes before I get the race done, I won't allow myself to open it. I don't want to give myself any reason to think I don't need to do it. So if I want to see it, that package sits on my counter staring at me until I get out there and do the race. And it has been really exciting because I'll come home and I'll be all sweaty and hot and exhausted and sometimes in pain, a couple times in tears. And I open that up and the joy that comes from accomplishing a goal that I could check off all that does is make me get back online, find the next race, sign up for it so I can do it. And then I've started inviting friends to do this with me. And it's really kind of fun to have a group of people do it by a certain date and everybody talk about it. It's cool. So starting points. No matter where you're at in your journey, I urge you to realize that there are going to be many starting points in the amputation journey. You know, new sockets, well, Amputation right there is the first starting point, right? A new life, a new lease on life. Uh, for some of you, it might be a starting point of a new attitude. Check your attitude. Look yourself in the mirror. Are you who you really want to be? Are you going to use amputation as an excuse to be a bummer, um, a burden on the people around you who care about you and love you? Are you going to push people away because of it? Or are you going to give yourself this as a, a kind of um, a prodding to get into the right mindset? Are you going to use it as a challenge? 
I love a good challenge. So that's how I'm built. And I can't speak to everybody. A lot of people struggle with that. And in being an amputee is, is a challenge. Uh, even supporting an amputee is a challenge. I know my family's been challenged by it. But I also decided that this is the cards that I would, was dealt. I can't look back. I'm only going to look forward. And I always tell myself, you know what? I know I chose this path, which then gives me more of a, a challenge because I say, if I chose this, then I live with it and I live with it well. No one wants to hear my woe is me stories or needing a pity party. I chose it. I need to deal with it. And uh, that doesn't mean that I'm not having bad days. It just means that I can't sit there and decide to do that and then make everybody feel like crud around me because I'm in a bad place. So where's your starting point right now? Are you a new amputee? Are you supporting someone that's an amputee or going to be an amputee? You are going to start over. It's going to be different. It's going to be difficult. You're going to find that daily activities, it's going to take time. Even still today, when we travel, you know, trying to pack, I'm like, okay, but how will the shower be? Uh, Do I have my crutches? I have crutches that collapse so that I can carry them in my bag. Um, do can I stand a lot of places that we've gone I've had to stand in the shower which is dangerous because I don't want to slip and fall and um, you know now we carry a collapsible chair with us you learn as you go what things you need to do to make things work things that you would never have thought about before will now become something that has to be on a checklist for you because if you go home without certain things when you travel you're going to be stuck buying it again or stuck not being able to do what you need to do are you starting over with a new socket are you starting starting a healthier lifestyle where are you at and i would say that this week's call to action that i'd put in front of you is figure out where you're at what's what's your new starting point and what do you need to do to make sure you're off and running the way you need to. Check your attitude. Check your mindset. Check which direction you're looking. Are you looking back still? Because that's gone. That's long gone. Start looking forward. Start deciding what it is you want to do and accomplish. And start making your list of goals. I had a a call to action. Maybe this is a great time to refresh it call to action like a month or so ago was to make a vision board. If you haven't made a vision board, look back at one of my old posts on my website and you'll see my vision boards. It's a great place to put things that you want to accomplish, whether they're from a magazine or for like me in my case, I put pictures of me skiing when I was had two legs and, and the smile on my face. And it's not so much that I want to ski again, but I want to enjoy skiing again. Um, I've been out skiing twice now since my amputation. Three times, sorry, three times. And it's getting a little better each time, but I can't lie. It's frightening to go out not knowing how it's going to feel. And if I fall and wipe out, I can't, I can't have my other knee get destroyed. So there's a little bit of apprehensive apprehension in me when I go to ski and I want to be happy and I want to love it. I want to do it because I enjoy it. So call to action, figure out your starting point. 
make sure you're looking forward and decide on the mindset that you want to take. Once you start dictating that, then you're going to start seeing all the possibilities. I would never call myself disabled. I hate the word. Yeah, I'm different, yes. And as my kid said, you're differently abled. Yeah, I am. And I'm proud of what I've gone through. Um, to me, I like to show this leg off because this is my, these are my scars and my scars tell my story and I'm not ashamed of my story. You shouldn't either. You need to be a speaker to others that are going through it or maybe going through it soon or someone who's supporting somebody that's going through it because we need to lift each other up. And the more I see people out there doing what they're doing, the more I realize that amputation that that was I'm doing more with my life now than I was for seven years with a, a bad knee I was in more pain even though I have this sharp pain that's going on now in my life I'm still moving I'm still doing what I want to do under my terms before I couldn't it was dictated to me because I could not move my knee so I really hope that this finds you well I hope you are uh, getting out and getting active. If you need an accountability coach, let me know. I'd love to be there for you. Check out my website, www.baawarrior360.com. Take a listen to the guest speakers that I've had in the past month. Um, there's some really good information there, especially if you're going through um, struggles with a prosthetist and you're looking for what you need to know and what questions you should be asking. If you think you might be going through amputation or know someone, take a listen to the surgeon who did mine. Um, he gives you some good information about who's a candidate for amputation because not all surgeons will do it. Um, I, like I said in one of my episodes, I had someone tell me I would never walk again if I amputated. And that just stoked a fire in me. Uh, you never want to tell me no. And... Um, and then, you know, like I said, in my pain management, I just saw another friend of mine on social media who's going to have TMR surgery. And I wish her the best because I know it's done wonders for me. And I know there's a little bit of a setback of four, five, six weeks. But after that, the sky's the limit. I hope this finds you well. I hope that you are on the right path to a happy and healthy lifestyle. And reach out to me. I'd love to hear where you're at. I'd love to hear your concerns. I'd love to hear your success stories. And until next time, be healthy, be happy, be you.